0: Welcome to the Learning Can't Wait podcast, a Full Mind production. At FullMind, our vision is to ensure every child has access to an exceptional education. Each episode, we will be joined by pathfinders within and around the education space who are bringing about transformational change on behalf of deserving students. I am your host, Kaylee Spierabauer. Welcome back, everybody, to today's episode of the Learning Can't Wait podcast. I am here with Ash Kaluarachi, who I am so excited to have on the show today. He is the CEO of Started, but has a long history in the ed tech space that I'm excited for him to tell us about. Welcome, Ash.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Haley.
0: You know, I, in the recent times of the past couple months, I have had more and more people tell me or ask me about started. Tell me about started or ask me about started. And I'm so excited for you to share a little bit about your journey with started and then how you got to where you are today.
1: Happy to, I would love telling this story. Uh, first of all, I should probably simplify what started is and I'll tell you what we started out thinking that it should be as well. And there's a delta there. Very simply put, started's mission is to attract and develop education innovators. And since we began this work in, in New York City, we initially had a a focus around turning New York into a hub for education innovation, and that was kind of it. But in uh, I think 2017, about three or four years in, uh, we got the mayor at the time to get up on a stage and announce that some, given the work that we had done with some of the schools and investors and founders in the space, we had officially uh, turned New York into a hub. So we thought, okay, great. That was easier than we expected. It wasn't.
0: Uh, <laughs> it never is. It never is.
1: Uh, what do we do next? So we decided to now say uh, that we attracted to education innovators to provide equitable learning and career opportunities for all. And that very simply is our mission.
0: Wow. That is you know, the context in which I know started is slightly different than that. Now that you've described the mission, let's tell the listeners a little bit about how started shows up in the ed tech community space.
1: Absolutely. What does it actually look like? So so brass tacks, we are what was historically referred to as an accelerator. So about 20, 25 years ago, there was a need for earlier stage uh, founders to get the support and, and resources they need that manifested itself in Y Combinator and Techstars, which I am an early employee of, uh, create this great model where uh, uh, the founders get a, a little investment, uh, and then three months of mentorship from seasoned folks, uh, and then they present at a demo day, uh, and that three months is meant to uh, educate them, enhance their networks, change the uh, the foundations of their company and increase its value. I think that was good 25 years ago when, you know, schools and adult learning was what it was back then. It is no longer. So it doesn't make sense for us to build and grow companies and train entrepreneurs who run them in the same way that uh, we used to run our schools. So we thought, okay, we've done this a few times. I was at Techstars. I was at... Intel, I was at NYU, always being this one-trick pony uh, running these accelerator programs. Uh, that's probably a better way to do it. And, and so I was sitting around a table uh, with some uh, exited entrepreneurs in New York City, and and we said, you know, that's probably a way to do this so that it looks like good adult learning and align programs with stage and objective, which change as entrepreneur and their company evolve. Probably way to do it specifically in the education vertical, which is a very nuanced space and that requires some patience and understanding of the complexities of it, and and we decided we probably should do it like Good that Learning uh, manifests itself, which is layered on over other. Uh, other um, work experiences, not this thing where you pick up and go to college and then you come to the workforce. It exists where you exist uh, and in your day-to-day and in your inbox. So so that's that's what started, uh, became. Uh, and so we are a series of programs now that wherever you are in your journey, there's probably someone in our mentor network uh, or our program portfolio that can help accomplish that mission, uh, fundraising, traction, advice, visibility, whatever that is that a young company needs.
0: I love the translation of what it, it, this is a theme that I really appreciate that you're naming, which is the translation of what works in other sectors into education with the knowledge that education operates very, very differently, especially the K-12 market. You're talking about federal funding sources very often, state and local funding sources. There's you know some element of grant funding sources, but it's a different beast than other spaces. So how do you feel, how do you equip founders and innovators, as you call them, to tackle that nuance?
1: Uh, great question. Uh, firstly, it's it's recognizing that an innovator isn't the traditional definition, uh, which is a technologist, right? Uh, innovator actually is someone who changes how things are done. I mean, it's a very simple way of explaining it, but it also makes it allowable and very feasible for... The classroom educator, who's very familiar with the problem, the administrator, who's, who understands uh, that red tape, the the even the investor who wants to take the app their, their at building something to really make an impact on the space based on how what they know, their area of expertise they bring to bear. Like most good things, it takes more than one to solve a big problem in the space, So, understanding a particular problem tends to be where it all starts. So, what we do quite often is try to create the circumstances for entrepreneurs to become the number one expert in the problem they're solving. And that takes a big learning curve to understand what that even looks like. And then, secondly, it's showing the sequence of activities that are related to de risking and validating. Uh, The next step in the sequence of solving a big problem or building a company, whether that's for profit, not profit, somewhere in between, it doesn't really matter. But if you're bringing other people together around the problem space you care about, there are true tried and tested ways of doing that elsewhere. And then there's doing that in education.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, what I appreciate about the model and I'll I'll name two things. One, I'll I'll get to EdTech Week in a second but there's mentorship. There's a ton of mentorship. Have, has mentorship been a formative experience for you in your own life? Have you had mentors that have really helped you find your path? And if so, how has that translated to what you incorporate into started?
1: Absolutely. I would not be where I am, or I would not be thinking the way I think if it weren't for the people who Either forced my their way into my life or through happenstance fell into it, or I strive to maintain. It's kind of a, on that continuum uh, of, of, of people who influence you, right? I mean, that, that famous adage about you are the average of the five people who have you have in your entire life um, uh, or in your life currently is, is very true. I had the opportunity of of being there earlier on in this the rise of the education space through the lens of textiles and And being in that room with folks like Brad Feld and David Brown and David Cohen and all these uh, great thinkers of what solving big problems, building companies in space, what they cared about was mentorship. Brad actually wrote his most famous uh, piece at the time on uh, 25 different blog posts on on what great mentorship looked and felt like. Uh, And that was 20 years ago. And I had a chance. to to watch him type some of that out. Um, And it was a a fantastic experience. That became very real for me when I um, wrapped up my time at Techstars and wanted to keep that momentum going. And an exited founder called Jonathan Harbour, he Mm -hmm. built three companies in the space. The last one was Schoolnet, which he exited to to Pearson with and became the head of K2O technology there. He struck up a conversation and then a lifelong relationship with me. He's probably been there... At more points that are more important to me personally and professionally than anyone else uh in the ecosystem. And and he was there when we started together and incorporated it. He was there when we changed business models multiple times. Uh, he was there when we created um the the company that is there today. And and he was there when my daughter was born and when my when I married my wife. <laughs> so it, it is really a, a relationship that you're building that ideally lasts a lifetime.
0: You know, I am not a founder. I am not a CEO. I watch what happens with the founders that I know, including, and the CEOs that I know, including my own CEO. And it is a lonely road. It is a, it is a hard, challenging journey that requires fortitude. It requires ingenuity. It requires so many characteristics and it's lonely. And mentorship and collaboration with others who have had that experience feels like it has the potential to be transformative in one's success. And hearing you share the way started itself also had the change of business plan multiple times and your mentor or someone you consider a mentor was along with you on that journey is really an authentic example of what it sounds like you're trying to build.
1: Uh, absolutely. And it's not just there for, uh, for the business advice, right? It's it's there for uh, these relationships built into how you think about the world, uh, problems you care about. They uh, influence um, the worst and best points in your experience as a human being. I mean, ideally, you should have at least someone that you can call to celebrate that big win at at 5 p.m. and and go grab that dinner or a drink. It's equally important to be able to have a similar person to be able to call at 5 a.m. when you've been up all night trying to solve a particular problem, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, our our brains are wired to to grow and benefit from having someone on both the wins and the losses. So I'm glad that you named that. So tell us. Tell everybody who's listening here a little bit about EdTech Week. I mean, pretty much, did it begin with the inception of started, or was it born after started?
1: So we were trying to figure out where to host a demo day for our accelerator program uh, back in the day, and we approached uh, a very progressive uh, dean at NYU at the time, and simply said, "Hey, look, uh, NYU is a great brand where." Uh, we want to point to. We want people to be able to point to and say, "What? Well, where's the hub of education in New York? Uh, why don't we make that New York University?" And and he loved the uh, the energy and the community that we were bringing in, and we were making these the walls of of New York City, uh, New York City, uh, and and NYU far more porous. Right. And after that demo day, he said. Why don't you come do this for us? And, and that was the start of the Ed brand. Um, we initially kind of incubated the company uh, within the walls of NYU Steinhardt, the School of Education there. And then uh, we eventually, we outgrew that space for us. When we took the time to understand what that initial period uh, was, uh, it gave us the ability to Uh, be be seen as uh, relatively credible as uh, we've given the brand association when we were building our own, Uh, but more importantly, it helped us walk the walk, right? It helped us build a company from within the walls of an institution that is systemically not built to allow allow for innovation to happen within its walls, right?
0: Well, how you know you named now that education has changed over the past couple of decades, and you we're talking about NYU, the School of Education, how we're how we're educating our teachers to become teachers. I'm wondering, from your vantage point, how education, like schools themselves, the K twelve sector, has changed, and as a result how EdTech has changed, especially in light of the pandemic? What do you see from your vantage point? You have a unique perspective.
1: Uh, I'm certainly, and happy to to, have to give my two cents. I think uh, relating back to your first question about the genesis of EdTech Week, the reason we created those, those was was to make every stakeholder in the space, educators, investors, entrepreneurs, three broader groups that that don't spend a lot of time uh, understanding each other, bring them all in one place, right. So that was kind of mission number one, there isn't this this gathering yet, especially in the East Coast uh, for for bringing these groups together. Uh, and the second is uh, there wasn't really a space for earlier stage innovation to be showcased and and talking about porous walls, it's much easier to influence the the start of a young company than it is once it's gotten its leg under it, right? So the educator and the investor who's involved earlier on do tend to influence that that future and the problem being solved far more significantly. And we want to create a venue that could do it. At EdTech Week, the way we do that is we provide
0: whoever it is
1: entrepreneurs, the educators, uh, the investors, the training uh, that's required to engage with each other, to engage with the problem space and understand what it looks like. So it looks like master classes that are accredited for educators. It looks like the ability for uh, an investor, whether they be an educator or, or someone else, to literally invest time, money, effort in uh, these younger companies earlier on to influence their future. So it looks like a series of of masterclasses in terms of training leading in and the event itself looks like a bunch of shark tanks and think tanks for people to really problem solve together.
0: I personally attended and it was so fun this year. This is my first ed tech week that I was able to go to and I'm really looking forward to next year's already. I remember like, as soon as EdTech Week ended, your team sent out an email like, save the date. I immediately put it in my calendar. I was like, do not book over this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, that. Uh, this year, it'll be uh, that first week in October uh, 2023 this fall.
0: Yeah. No, I'm counting, counting down the time. So, so thank you for expanding on that. I think it's cool to hear the inner the idea of the intersection between those various stakeholders and how important it is for them to understand each other. I attended quite a few sessions at this week's EdTech Week where venture people were speaking about the market and what they predicted. Now, of course. A lot has changed since September and what the market looks like now and investing looks like today. But it was it was really great to be able to hear a panel of folks that spend the money and, and invest the money talking about their perspective. And then jumping over to hearing someone who's been on the podcast as well, Christina Ishmael, speaking about what should product design look like? Mm-hmm. You know, just like such a blend of figures. It really spoke to the diversity of the stakeholders you were really trying to appeal to.
1: Absolutely. And and Christina lit up that stage uh, when when she spoke about it. It is is that. It is having folks from the Office of Education uh, EdTech at at the White House come in and talk about the guardrails that are being put in place for building AI in education and, and green technologies and green jobs. It is showing... Uh, what investors are investing in because it's a good signal of how to frame the problem space as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, no, and candidly, Christina's speech at that event, it, I, I had met Christina before. I'd heard her speak about the government's perspective and what their prioritization was, but that was what led me to say, I need to have Christina on the podcast because there was a component of her of her talk where she said that you really need to think about the end user in your product design. And that educators are vitally important. Teachers themselves are vitally important in the product design process. And I think you look at a lot of companies, they don't always have educators that are, that are contributing to the decision-making. And I, I to your earlier point about how innovation happens in schools and outside of schools, it's to me, it's so vital. I really appreciated that perspective, and I really carried it with me after the event.
1: Well, thank you. That's exactly why we do it.
0: So tell me now, from your vantage point, how have schools, ed tech, and even and even investors, how has that landscape changed, particularly over the past three years?
1: I think it is uh, that trend of being having porous walls, right? I think that's the, the porous silos, porous walls. Everything is starting to meld together. Your your work day is blending with your personal life. Your uh, your school is blending with work, and and that's kind of manifesting itself in how we learn, right? So there are students. Uh, there's a good company. Uh, I was speaking to a few founders called the Knowledge Society (TKS). They're taking 15 to 16 year olds uh, on on weekends and delivering a 10-month program for them outside of, of a traditional school environment to supplement it. But they'll place those students in an internship with uh, Tesla or OpenAI or these great companies. And you'll, you'll have this 15-year-old at, at a table with Elon Musk or Sam Waltman, call them back up and say, hey, look, we're really interested in in, uh, in this particular problem space. Uh, well, what What can you tell us? Uh, it's fascinating the ownership that they're giving um, uh, young learners when they're framing it as what problem do they want to solve, and then what can they learn to, to to accomplish it. So those walls are becoming porous, right? You don't necessarily have to go through these all these steps that you traditionally needed to. Uh, careers are starting much earlier, uh, and passions are igniting much earlier. Similarly, the Walls between higher ed and and work are are, uh, getting reframed and the future of of adult learning is one where the ability to upskill and learn a new technology, how do I apply AI to my current work processes, is what you get taught because what you know, uh, which used to be how do you run a financial model, how do you do this analysis, how do you do this research, is getting taken care of by something else. And now you have to be able to govern and guide and prompt the technology in order to help you do that work more effectively and faster. So that's gonna be the scientific process going forward.
0: I mean, I have to pause you there and just like name for this audience here. There is such a debate about chat GPT in schools. And what you just said there is exactly the reason why I think there should be no debate. There's absolutely no question that machine learning and AI and all these different tools will be part of the workforce moving forward. They are today, today alone, ChatGPT announced extensions on every major app that like I use on a daily basis. I keep it open on my computer all the time. <laughs> Why wouldn't we want kids to learn that? Sure, you have to redesign how your assessments look, but so, so did you do that when we had calculators? Right. i like, and I have to pause there because it's like, yes, Ash. Like that's exactly right. We need everybody to understand that.
1: And there'll they'll always be. I mean, there was a, a large group that protested the use of calculators in in classrooms, right? Sure. And now they're, they're in our always, pockets. Yeah, and 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 soon we won't even need them. Um, uh, oh, that's that's okay. Uh, the fact that technology is taking more and more of the load of 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 living in this world is a perfectly fine thing to lead into. The, the fear, I think, that a lot of people have is how much control do you want to give this or not. But I think that starting from a place of fear and instead starting from a place of curiosity allows you to figure out how it's actually making your life and those you serve better. Uh, is It's a bit of a mindset shift. But uh, what I've seen is that the people who take those first two or three steps, then end up running towards those better solutions.
0: You know, Ash, I have a good anecdotal story for you.
1: Please.
0: I've thought a lot about ChatGPT, but you say, how does it make your life better? I am fatigued with making up stories for my almost seven-year-old about Star Wars <laughs> and how it fits in his life. So I taught him how to use ChatGPT. And we created, I, I did the first prompt. We let, we read the story together. And then I said, let's make the story different. What do you want to ask the, the machine to do now, like the computer to do now? And we generated multiple stories for bedtime around Owen, the Lego master who loves Star Wars. And he just thought it was the bee's knees. Like he was just beside himself that this generative tool could develop stories for him every night. He thought it was hysterical. Now that's I don't use too. it all the time, but it's very very fun to pop in there when I'm getting I'm having a hard time thinking of new story plot lines for him.
1: <laughs> you, <laughs> just give me, you just gave me a tip that's going to set me well. I have a two year old who's probably going to be getting into that soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, it, you know the future. The future is going to be way beyond what we can expect it to be. I think. I think the development of, of the, the, the very rapid proliferation and usage and adoption of, of AI in this context has shown us that. And I'm excited to see, as you said, I'm excited to see we all have to be cautiously optimistic about this, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: All right, Ash, so I, you know, we're wrapping up our time together today. I I really enjoy hearing from you. And as a mentor in Started, I really enjoy the experience of being part of the community and learning from the people around me. I find as a mentor, I'm learning just as much as I think. I don't even know if I'm doling out a ton of great advice to the mentees, but I am learning so much from the mentees and just making really long-lasting relationships that I appreciate. What advice would you give uh, an innovator, as you call it, or an ed tech founder today? What If they were just beginning their journey, how would you advise them personally?
1: Uh, besides trying to become the number one expert in the problem that they're trying to solve uh, and and amassing the relationships, the the knowledge, the data that they would need to do that, I would say the one step that is the hardest is the first one, uh, and that usually involves going out and doing something about it. Uh, what, uh, What I would encourage those to do today is to realize that as we had you know, Squarespace and AWS you know, five, 10 years ago to help lower the cost of making companies and your vision a reality, your dream a reality, now we have the, the 10x of that uh, in helping do all the other things. We've gotten to a point where your vision is 10 times closer than you think than it was, just A few years ago and and realizing uh, that it's that close hopefully convinces you that you shouldn't
0: i love that my wheels are turning i'm like silent which is unusual for me i really like the way you frame that thank you so much for joining the podcast today ash it's a pleasure pleasure to highlight the started story and your journey and have you on
1: thank you harry for having us
0: thank you everybody for tuning in today Thanks for listening to the Learning Can't Wait podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and share this episode. Be the first to know when we have a new episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a suggestion for an episode, email us at podcast at fullmindlearning.com.